0: Welcome to So Here's The Thing, where we share candid conversations that lift the veil on what it takes to find success, even if that means sharing a few unpopular opinions. I'm your host, Laila Amati. Grab some coffee or a cocktail and let's get real. On today's episode, we have Carrie Grace joining us. And here's the thing about Carrie Grace. She is an incredible motivational speaker who I had the opportunity to meet and have a lot of really great conversations with at the Imperfect Bosses Camp, which is an amazing experience on its own, by the way. She is a motivational speaker. She travels the country helping schools and companies Create better work cultures and environments. And she is one of those people who can give her message with a really healthy dose of humor. So I love hearing all of her amazing stories, and I can't wait to hear what she has in store for us today. She helps people take these really big leaps of faith to get from where they are to the life that they truly want. And she teaches people how to go for that big ask overcome no and find the dream yes. And so today she's going to be talking with us all about overcoming rejection, which I don't know about you guys, but I have always had a slight, maybe not so slight, fear of rejection kind of hovering over me that has made it a little bit difficult to take some risks. So I'm really excited to hear what she has for us. I'm going to turn it over to Carrie Grace. She's going to tell us a little bit about her, a little bit about her story. She's just the best and I'll turn it over to her. Welcome to the show, Carrie Grace. Thank you so much for having me. That was quite a fun intro. (laughs) No pressure on the (laughs) humor. No pressure at all because you literally are magic. So I'm very excited to hear what what you've got for us.
1: Yeah. So um, like lately said, I do two separate talks. I do kind of one around empathy and culture and team building. And that's a little bit more on the corporate side. And I actually work with a lot of teachers as well. So that's half of me, I would say. And then the other half, which is what we'll be talking about today, is risk-taking and overcoming rejection that kind of go hand in hand. And a lot of it came from just having all these conversations with women, especially women in the creative industry, women who want to own businesses, and realizing that if you compare, um, and this is maybe a sweeping generalization, but if you compare women to men, men tend to go, well, I'm not qualified, but who cares? I'm going to still go for the yes. I'm going to still go for the dream job. And then women tend to look at qualification. And if they feel like they don't maybe fit all of it, they'll go, well, I'll apply for that in three years, or I'll think about that and I'll put it on the back burner. And I've I've come to find that, you know, creative entrepreneurs, they have all these big dreams. If you ask them, every single one of them would say, I want to be in a magazine with my, you know, wedding photography, or I really want to write a book to help women, who are new moms, or they have all these ideas. And very often, you know, especially when I speak, they don't really have like an action plan because they go, well, they have all these excuses. I don't have enough followers. I don't have enough of an email list, or I'm not as well connected, or I don't know somebody who knows somebody who knows a publisher. And so we kind of paralyze ourselves. And I have just kind of bucked against that and said, like, no, what if I just try all these things? Another girl we met at Imperfect Boss Camp, another segue to that, shout out to Ashley, is Caroline Zuck, And she, she and I talked a lot about this idea of experimenting and kind of how everything in life is an experiment. And if you view it from that perspective, the failure is not so brutal. If you go, okay, you know what? I experimented. I tried to get a book deal and I didn't get it. But guess what? I tried. And so you look at everything from a success lens instead of, you know, kind of creating this failure, this failure lens. And what are all the wins? And so I've done a lot of things that have kind of been a little out there, but they've led to really awesome opportunity. And people will always ask me and go, well, how did you get that opportunity? And really my answer is always just, I I asked. It's not this, it's not this, I think people think it's like this, oh, you, you knew somebody or you had a connection or, you know, you've been on a wait list for 10 years. And really it's just no, nobody else thought to ask. And I did. And oftentimes we forget that people want to help. If you if you can find someone who we really want to watch someone else be successful, I think, you know, we talk about like community over competition. Like people honestly want this success for other people. And I think, yes, there's levels of comparison, there's levels of jealousy, but at the end of the day, people really do want to see other people succeed. And they also want to be able to say, I was a part of that success story. They want to feel like they're a part of your tribe and a part of your you know, journey. And if they could have helped you in some capacity, they, they have pride in that too. So I think you have to remind yourself of that. It's people don't want to tell, you no. like it pains people to give rejection. No one, that's why people, and people, that's why we live in a generation of ghosting people don't also want to be the rejector, you know, they want to just go, oh, I'm not going to say anything. Absolutely. So that kind of mindset.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I feel like it's really interesting. I feel like you touched on so many amazing points in <laughs> a short period of time, but honestly, like I feel that we do at, at least, In my experience and in my experience of working as ironically, since you work with so many teachers as a former teacher for, you know, just short of a decade, working with primarily high school women, high school, young women, these girls are taught and we were taught from a very societal standpoint in the beginning. to kind of fear rejection, to say, you know, we're constantly proving ourselves. And I I don't like to use the word entitlement because it, it does hold a negative connotation, but we are like on the polar opposite side sometimes of feeling entitled to take risk and to make an ask. And I think that that's something that you have shown time and time again in all of your experiments and all of your efforts. So I want to hear some of those stories about how you've taken the risk to make asks and basically stare rejection in the face. Because I think it's really interesting when you say that people people are pained to share no. People are pained to give rejection. Whereas the fear of rejection holds holds us right. back so intensely. So like, how did you go about how did you even come up with this concept of I'm going to go ahead and like stare this in the face and I'm going to combat it. And then like maybe share, I know you have a lot of these stories, so (laughs) I'm like, I don't even know which one you're going (laughs) to, I'm excited about it. Uh, Maybe share like one of your favorite seeking out rejection stories.
1: Yeah, sure. Absolutely. Well, I think for me, what was really beneficial was my upbringing and i have a a, a dreamer dad and i think i I think Lily may have heard part of the story but i had a dream i think almost a decade ago and i remember calling my dad and it was a it was a big dream and you know it was probably out of my league and i remember calling him and telling him and i think what happens it doesn't have to your parent but it's someone in your life who goes oh that's a bit big that's a bit too much you're not qualified and all of a sudden we hear these lies and instead my dad said to me I want you to spend 365 days, and I want you to research a dream, and I want you to call me back in a year, and I want you to tell me if you feel like you're qualified for it or not, and I want you to give me the reasons. And if and if you feel like you've done a research and you fit into this dream, then go for it. So he didn't tell me, no, you're not qualified. No, you can't do it. He just said, why don't you dig a little deeper, and then you'll have a better. You know, I think sometimes we just we just kind of, oh, I want it yes or no, and we, we don't do enough research. So he really, instead of telling me there's a ceiling, he said why don't you see if there's a ceiling or not? And if there isn't a ceiling, by all means, go for it. And I think we, just as humans, don't dream big enough. So when someone comes to us with this big dream, we don't mean to crush them. We just give them a dose of what we we consider reality check instead of saying, oh, shoot, you should go for it. And so I also think be cognitively aware of who you surround yourself with. Because if you surround yourself with a lot of naysayers, it's going to reinforce this idea that you should be afraid of risk-taking. It really is going to reinforce this idea of, if if you say, I want to write a book and all your friends go, do you have enough followers? the likelihood of you writing a book is going to be less instead of your friends going, that's an amazing idea. What do you think chapter one's going to be about? That's the difference of of the people you surround yourself by. And I think that I've, I've really curated a system where my friends will say, "Eh, they're not going to stop me. They, I tell them all these dreams and they go, they give me a practical, you know, here's what, here's the pros and cons, but I don't have people in my life who now go, you're too big. You're too loud. You're too small. You're too old. You're too young they just go, okay, well, what does that look like? What's the next step? And, and also think about that for yourself. How are you helping other people's dreams? And, and maybe really check yourself when someone comes to you with this big dream and maybe go, how can I be supportive without crushing? Because don't, we don't mean to, but if you think about conversations you have, you have no idea how the other person's going to receive it. And so if you go, oh, I don't think you're ready for that, that person automatically is going to go, you know what? I trusted you. I believe you. And now I'm not going to go after that. So I think it's also curating people in your life. And so for me, a couple examples, and it's not even to say that I like, it's seeking out, reje- It's there's two parts. So it's also seeking out rejection. And there's also part of me, it's just like, how much of an ask can I get? You know what I mean? Like there's two sides of like, what can I do? And so in 2018, I did a rejection challenge just because I really wanted to show to people people are good. People want to say yes. And you can do crazy things. And so, I mean, there's a million stories in that. And like one of them is I went to my local radio station and they did an interview about the whole rejection challenge. And they were really curious. And they said, well, you do one in a studio. And I'm like, what am I going to do on air in the studio? Like whatever. And they had a poster of, or like a canvas to Taylor Swift. And I said, I want that canvas. And I knew it was like $350. Cause there's some big canvases, especially if you're in the photography world, those canvases do not come cheap to print and hang on your wall. <laughs> And they said, you got to ask the CEO of of the radio station. I said, all right, let's go. And I went and asked him and, you know, it was very polite. I just said, I'd like to take home that Taylor Swift canvas. And he said, sure. And I took it right off the wall. And I got in the elevator with the PA on the show who probably was like, why are you taking our artwork home? And I hung it on my wall and I look at it every day and I go, what else can you ask for? But it, it, I mean, that's something so silly. It's like not even a, it didn't change my life, but it was this thing to go, what else can I take off people's walls? What else can I ask for? What are, what are these things where it, it, you you could never go into someone's home and take home their artwork. You really just couldn't. But in that circumstance, they said, sure, why not? You're asking and no one's probably ever asked them. That's the thing too. It's like, sometimes people never get these asks and I go, Oh, well, how, how bold of you to ask. So I'm going to reinforce you and say like, yes. And I think you have to have enough. That's what I realized over time. It's you've got to have enough small yeses. And then you, then you build up this confidence. So I, I always tell people don't start. With your biggest dream, if your biggest dream is I want to have a best-selling book, we'll start with writing, you know, an ebook and maybe give it away for free and see what the you know that is, or maybe collaborate with some people and see if they say yes. Maybe write an ebook with ten other people and see if you can get ten yeses for that, and kind of build up to wherever your top, you know, mountaintop moment is, and figure out kind of where what that is. And I, you know, I mean, you can also go for the big yes, but if you feel like you don't have enough confidence, then I would suggest what are baby steps? What are the, you know, and I, one of my points in lately said, lately heard this talk is really just send the email. That's a a whole point I have in an hour long keynote because you would be amazed at people who go, I say, well, what's the next step for your dream? They go, I got to email, you know, Jim in accounting. And I go, well, why haven't you emailed him? And they go, well, Jim's going to say no. And I go, it's not your job to give Jim's no to yourself. It's Jim's job. And if Jim wants to tell you, yes, why don't you let him? And so it's really as simple as baby steps. You know, it's like, Send the email, wait for the response. Send another email, wait for that response. If you send enough emails, somebody is going to say yes. And then you're going to have enough yeses to go, okay, I got 10 yeses. And I think it's just kind of, you know, desensitizing yourself to rejection and risk taking to really get yourself out there.
0: You are so practical and just giving really tangible steps for people to be able to take here because it's so easy to hear like somebody else's story of I asked and they said yes. And now I have a giant right. <laughs> canvas on my wall, which by the way, I think is amazing that you now have like this symbolic statement just hanging around right. to look at and be like, Hey, that's a yes. And I got that. Yes. You know? So that's, that's awesome. I wish that we could all have like some mythical, magical, thing that we can hang up and be like, this is my symbol of yes. But honestly, sending that email, I know so many times when I first started in seeking out, we've talked about this before, in seeking out speaking opportunities within like the creative industry, I was terrified to send emails and and pitch myself. I had no experience in pitching. I was just a teacher who turned into an entrepreneur who then wanted to become a teacher for entrepreneurs. And I was like, this is what I want to do. I guess I'll just start asking and see what people need. But I struggled with my confidence in the beginning because I thought, like, am I truly qualified for this? And obviously, years of asking and years of rejection combined with acceptance and combined the no's combined with the yeses have then built up my confidence. But if I had not sent those initial emails, I mean, I wouldn't have gotten right. anything. I would still just be at home wishing. So this seems like it seems like common sense, but it's really not because so many people don't do it. So, what would you say to someone who said to you, like, Carrie Grace, I want to do something? This is, I have this large dream. Okay. I've mapped out these smaller dreams that I could try. Now, what? What do I do? How do I even find the right way to contact people? How do I find the right way to seek out, not seek out rejection, but like do a mini rejection challenge of my own? What advice would you give them?
1: Right. One of the things that I, I mean, this is like a sort of side change. it. And then I'll, then I'll do one of the best advices I got when I was going into speaking is someone told me, they said, the best speakers never are on the stage. They're always in the audience. And they said, the reason for that is because the middle level speakers are not afraid to ask. And they said, you'll net, they said, the best speakers tend to be people who are too afraid to ask, but they're phenomenal at speaking. They don't have the confidence to ask for the stage. They like said, middle-level speakers are the speakers you hear the most. And I really resonate with that because I tell people, I'm not the best keynote speaker you will ever hear in your whole life, but you better believe I'll ask for the stage. And that's the difference. As people always say to me, well, how have you been so successful speaking? And I go, you have to be fearless of the stage. Like, yes, I have to be an okay speaker. I have to have the communication skills, but I would not tell you I'm the most qualified speaker that you could hire. And I, would, I mean, I have no shame in saying that but I know that I have enough of the risk-taking. So I think it's really also deleting that narrative because qualification is subjective and to, to the person. And so it's like, we kind of live in this quantified world now where we go, well, you're qualified if you have 10K or you're qualified if you have 100,000 people on an email list. And sometimes people aren't looking for that. Sometimes they're they're looking for you and what skill do you have and how can you help my audience? It doesn't necessarily have to be big. And so I think starting by kind of, letting go of that narrative of what is being qualified mean is it would i would say step 1 so going letting yourself put your name in the hat go hey you know what maybe I, maybe they will deem me not qualified but but telling yourself i am qualified to be here here's the skills i have maybe maybe even making a note of what are the skills you have and then starting small so like you're saying like if someone said hey i really want to be a speaker i would say okay well you probably should do like five or 10 for free and there's a million people who take free things like you could go to a school and read to kids. You could go to a nursing home. There's a million opportunities. Um, you know, you might go, well, I really want to speak at this one conference. Well, I go, well, don't, you don't have to start there. You build your way up and you go, because if you're offering yourself for free and not saying you should do all the time, but at the beginning, maybe if you're trying something new, people aren't going to reject you. They're going to go, oh, awesome. You're going to, you're going to bring value to my audience. Or, you know, you, you and so stuff like that, where it's like, if you can, if you know that you can get a yes, but you're just kind of like nervous of like, maybe there's a 5% chance they'll say no. I say, go for those. So sending the easier things. And I mean, finding people's actual contacts is not that hard in in the world we live in. I mean, you could DM almost anybody, you know? And, and I think, and I think it's also, don't be afraid to contact someone that's huge. You have no idea that they, they may go, I've been looking I mean, I've heard all sorts of stories where someone said, Hey, I emailed this person, and asked if they need an assistant and guess what they did. And now I'm an assistant for this huge person. I mean, I knew someone actually was like assistant for Kim Kardashian. And I think they literally had just said, do you need an assistant? And they said, yes. And they worked. It was like a friend of her friend. She said, yeah, my friend worked for Kim Kardashian. I go, what? Good example. She got experience by asking. She goes, I think she just even went to the store and said or emailed. It wasn't like a connection. I think she just said, I am qualified to be an assistant and that's who her client ended up being. You've got to let yourself dream a little bit, especially if you're creative. I think we're, we're we're kind of built for dreams and hopes and we just kind of go, the problem is we go, well, when I arrive, and it's like, you'll never arrive unless you're willing to take the risk to arrive. That's really what it comes down to. It's, you know, you've got to be, and my friend, my friend, Andy would always tell as coach, she used to work for Universal for the the president of Universal. And she would tell me, she would say, people wait their whole life at their doorstep for Oprah to open the door and say like, you win a car. And she said, Oprah only shows up at people's houses that she has their mailing address. And she said, does Oprah know where you live? Like, that's a question you need to ask yourself. So that's what I asked this all the time. And I fill it in the like, and it's not Oprah, but like, you know, and, and after, and honestly, she didn't have this phone call. And I, and I 10 minutes later go, why I just emailed Oprah magazine to see if I could write a piece for them. But it's like <laughs> nothing to lose. I said, well, somebody at that company knows I live now. but it's that idea, you know, it's like that idea of, do they know you exist? We, we're like hoping that someone will magically stumble across our profile on Instagram and we're gonna be exactly what they need. And so our profile is perfect and our curated. And it's like, no, if you show up in their inbox, you know, I actually emailed like a sorority and I said, they need a speaker. And they said, yeah, we actually do. This is perfect. And guess what? I made her life easier because her job in her sorority is to find a speaker. And I, and I showed up in her inbox and she goes, I don't have to do any work. Her work for the year is done. You say so thinking about it from that perspective by going, you may actually be making people's lives easier by taking your risk. they go, I might be looking for a new upcoming author. I may be looking for an assistant. I may be looking for a VA. I may be looking for a photographer and you don't know what they need. And if you show up and go, Hey, I exist. And the thing about it too is once you exist, you don't unexist. So like if Layla email me and said, Hey, do you ever need a photographer for a photo shoot? And I don't need one for three years. I'm still going to remember, Hey, didn't someone email me and say, they need, they, they were offering me free photos or offering me a discount or some sort of something, you're going to go back to that because it's familiar. Absolutely.
0: I love thinking too about facing the fear of the no in the scope of you're setting yourself up maybe for a no, but definitely for a maybe or a yes right. later on. Right. Everything that you're doing is laying the groundwork,
1: which I think is really important as well. And I think you just learn from it. You learn like, Hey, these are opportunities. And I mean, I just have come to realize that people don't necessarily even let themselves dream as big. I mean, I'm like, can I do this? Can I do that? Like, it's just a, and then once you start doing these big things, you go, I can do anything. I think the bigger opportunities you get, the more you feel invincible to go. Well, who cares if they said, no, I got to do this thing over here. And that was amazing with the yes. Right.
0: And you would think with creative entrepreneurs as a whole, we, we take a huge risk in the beginning, right. um, starting a business, establishing it, growing it, nurturing it. And then once we kind of hit that mark where we're comfortable, you almost have to retrain your brain to then again, take new risks. Right. So that's hard. That's who wants to do that. <laughs> yeah. You're like, wait, I already paid my dues. I already took right. the risk. I already faced rejection. I overcame it. Can I not just be done? So how do you, how do you keep, how do you keep going forward? What would you tell someone?
1: Oh, to keep doing Well, I think the thing is you've got to keep looking for the yes, because like, I think the thing is you're going to plateau if you don't, okay, what's the next level for you? What's the next up for you? So it's like, you know, even for you, it's like you're doing photography, but then it's like, now you're doing your own retreat. So you kind of go, what's the next way I can go to where I want to go? And I think, I think I was even thinking about this last night, honestly, this idea of, and it goes back to middle school. It goes back to, we live in this popularity contest kind of world again. We're so desperately wanting someone to offer us a seat at the table. And I am kind of the personality where I'm I'm just carrying my chair around going, can I sit here? And so it's a matter of stop waiting for an invitation. Stop waiting for someone to show up and say and tell you you're the best thing since sliced bread and just show up at the table and go, guess what? I'm the best thing since sliced bread. And here's what I have to offer them to the table. And and here's what I want to learn from the table. And I don't mean do it in an aggressive, pushy way and just you know, bust your way into other people's relationships, but you know, as entrepreneurs, you're typically at your house, just chilling alone. And you're hoping that someone will include you. And I think we, we forget that you also, you know, I, I actually moved a, a year and a half ago to a new city. It was only about an hour from where I live. So I really didn't, my whole life didn't change, but I remember feeling very crushed and I was crying for like a whole month and I go, I just feel so isolated. And I, I started a mastermind. I have two masterminds. There's 50 girls across the two of them. And they come to my house once a month. And it has been like I mean, it has op- opened. I have spoken at one of their conferences. I have used one of their venues to host my own event for the first time ever. Um, I've seen collaboration upon collaboration with all of them. And it's just because I go, hey, who wants to come to my house on Tuesday mornings once a month? And, and that was me. I had a potential to get rejected. I, I mean, strangers, people I didn't know messaged me back on Facebook, like I'll show up. And, and it's been great. And, it, and I can tell it's a gift to other people, but that's an example of I risked a little bit by going I'm so desperately waiting for someone to choose me. And what if I just choose myself? And then I asked other people if they want to be a part of my choosing. And then they showed up and, and I, you know, I'm like, I'm thinking about moving again in the future. And I'm thinking about, I don't want to leave this mastermind. This is the greatest thing I've ever created for myself here. <laughs> and it's, it, it's like, you know, it's, there's no cost and there's no, the risk was low. I go, either you're going to come or you're not going to come. But that's a good example for myself of going, I could feel sorry for myself or I could take an action step.
0: I want to adopt your, your phrase of I'm going to carry around my chair, my own seat. Like, okay, I'm inviting myself to your table. I even brought my own chair.
1: (laughs) Right. It's like, but I think that, I think we just get, oh, we make these stories up in our head. Oh, well, those are the cool kids. She's a popular blogger and oh, she's going to whatever. And I actually laugh at this. I follow Laura and Elena on um, Instagram. She was on American Idol. I think she flies just like normal people. And I watch, love watching her stories because she'd be chilling with normal people on a plane. And I think she doesn't view herself. I mean, all the time, every time she flies, I watch and she's like, here's my name. Here's my part. Like, I don't even know if people know who she is. She said one, she literally, I watched it yesterday. She said some girl was on Facebook, watched a video of her on her Facebook phone while sitting next door and didn't realize it's the same person. <laughs> but it's like this thing where she just has fun with people and she doesn't view herself as, oh, I'm so much better because I've been nominated for awards and I won a show and I've got number one songs on the radio. I mean, she just, everyone sits at her table, you know, you see on flights, she could be like, I'm sorry, I'm too cool for you. I'm playing first class. I'm important. You know, she's like in the middle seat, chilling with random people, you know? So I think it's that it's also how you view the world. And, you know, I mean, she's carrying a chair around and sitting at everybody's table too. And she's not being herself as my tables elite. So I think it's also really, yeah, that's my mindset. It's really kind of this, you know, do you know where I live? Do you, can I sit here? And you guess what? People are not going to always say yes, but I always say, better to have asked. I mean, I have gone through some pretty awesome yeses and some pretty awful no's, but I, I think the no's, you have to also use the no's as motivation. So, you know, I've gotten some no's and I have I have gone on to do other things because I'm like, no, you will not tell me no. Like, watch yeah. out, world. And I think sometimes it's, you, you've got to not let be, yourself be crushed by the no because there are bigger and better opportunities. And I look at that now. I had a really tough 2016, but if had I had not lived all those no's in 2016, I would not be doing what I got to do this year in 2019. Right. So it's kind of like, you got to know that the no's build a foundation for a better yes and have faith in that. I love
0: that. I think that's so important as well. It's really interesting to me to see when you talk about mindset and you talk about that our society is very interesting right now with yes. the whole social media aspect. And I know that you live in that. So it's really interesting because I look at it and I think about that all the time, how our worth is It can be very easy to get lost in the amount of followers or the amount of quote unquote like social media fame that you can achieve, but how that really does not equate qualifications. It does not equate having true connection and really getting further in your life or your business. It's, it's just the weirdest, weirdest dynamic to me.
1: Yeah, well, it's an interesting dance. It's well, I think we're also kind of on the front lines of everybody else's dreams. Oh, well, so and so got this, or so and so. The best advice I actually heard, and this kind of fits into it, was from um, Susan, who runs Freshly Picked, which is a moccasin. It's a little kid moccasin company. It's it's massive. I mean, she was on Shark Tank, but I heard her. I heard her when she had ten thousand followers, and she probably got a million and two right now. (laughs) But she said she has something called the I don't remember what she called it, but it was essentially a list that she writes, and it's called the like the No Dreams or the I Don't Want List. And she writes everything she actually doesn't want. So at the time, I don't think she's actually written a book. At the time she wrote, I don't actually, all my friends are writing books and she said, I don't want to write a book. And she writes this whole list of, I don't want to be in a magazine. I don't want to write a book. I don't ever. And she said, every time she watches someone get a book deal, she would feel like, Oh shoot, I need to get a book. And when she wrote the list, she said, now she goes back to list. And If her friend gets a book deal, she goes back and goes, wait, I don't want a book deal. So it actually frees her up to be a little less comparison, a little bit more cheering because she said, I don't have to want all the same things. And social media makes me feel like I got to have a book deal and I've got to be in a magazine. I got to be published and I got to be over here. And she said, I've just kind of found my own path by, by, by actively saying, I don't choose these things. I don't want these things. And I think it helps you with like, if you really want something that's on your want list, then the rejection is going to be hard, but then you're, you're narrowed in. So if you don't want, like, if you feel like you need to write a book and you don't actually want to, it's going to be even hard to go for the risk. So, I think it helped her really define where am I taking the risk and where am I just letting it go and going, no, I don't want that. That is so genius.
0: I actually was sitting with a, a good friend of mine yesterday, and she is a photographer. And she was telling me, like, hey, I checked out your new podcast and that episode with Hope Taylor. It's actually the first episode if you're listening and you want to reference back to it. It's all about getting into education and how you should decide if it's actually for you or not. And she sat there and she looked at me and she said, It's interesting because I thought that I had to host a workshop. It was like on my mind to host this workshop for the past year. She's been telling me about it for the past year, and in our conversation yesterday, she was like, "I realized that I actually didn't want to do that. And education is not for me. And I definitely that's just not what I'm meant to do. So I'm putting it aside. Thank you for clarifying that. And I was like, "How did you not know that for the past year? And she just looked at me and she said, "Well, everybody else is doing
1: it. Yeah. So I just thought I had to do it. Yeah. Yeah. And that's exactly what Susan came to realize. And she goes, I I mean, I, after she said that, she said, that's why she would say she has success. I mean, she has a massive, massive company. And she said, because she really honed in on what I don't want. We so focused on her. I want, 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 want. She goes, I don't want a book. And so the fact that she was able to release herself from that took a lot. I mean, it takes a lot of mental energy. If you think that you should be writing a book and you think about it so often, and it's not your dream. And then of course, taking a risk on that is going to be so unbelievably draining. Because you don't actually want it at the end of the day, yet you feel like you should want it.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I even went through, I've gone through that myself countless amounts of times. And I do, I I love how you let that change your mindset and set you up for chasing the right yes and overcoming all of the no's that could come along with it. Because if you're chasing that one, I mean, it doesn't even have to be one thing, but if you're chasing the things that you actually want, it's easier to be dedicated to the ask than it would yeah. be if it's something that you just feel obligated to want.
1: Right. Well, I think it's just viewing, it, it, it's kind of shifting. Like we talked a lot about mindset, just shifting your mind to, to look at the world as opportunity. I think we unfortunately look at the world as obstacles. Oh, we'll have to clap. I and mean, I just look at the, I watch, I mean, everything I do, I go, that's an opportunity. You know, if someone else is doing that, I go, how do I get in on that? You know, like it, what's the opportunity there? And I really am an, like, I look at everything as opportunity. Um, and I think that that actually opens more doors when you go, oh, cool. That's an opportunity. And how does one, and then you do the research and then you go for it.
0: I definitely think that's something that sets you up for success over yeah. the mindset of like the obstacle mindset. So thanks for sharing that. Cause I think that is something that could really impact all of us who are, who are listening while you speak your magic. <laughs> <laughs> You've given so so many things that we can think about over this short conversation, but I'd also just love to hear, I ask everybody this, what if you had an unpopular opinion for overcoming rejection, an unpopular opinion for for gearing up for a big ask, for overcoming the no's, what would your unpopular opinion be?
1: I mean, I think for me, it's, it's almost like, I, I would say don't overcomplicate it. I think people really want complication and like, I mean, this is a good example. So I'll end with the story to some degree, but I was watching the golden globes this year and I was like, that looks like fun. Who are these random people in the shots? And then I was like Googling and they're like normal people. And I said, how does one become that? And then I'm like applying to go to the Grammys and it was not complicated. Like people always ask me how did you, uh, like I went to the Grammys this year and you literally fill out an application and they choose you or they don't. There's no ask. There's no connection. There's no I know somebody. You like you add it to a cart. Honestly, you like purchase it for free, a free ticket, and then they either give it to you or not. And I got an email, you know, a week later from them, literally with a ticket I print to the Grammys. That was it. No instructions. Just like here's your ticket to the Grammys. Be there at 1 p.m. But but it was so. But I think people go. They want me to. They want me to tell them that overcoming rejection is the most complicated. It's an eight step process. What? No. I literally just said, can I go to the Grammys? And they said, yes, actually you can. And the funniest thing about this was because I became more aware of, um, I sat in people's seats while they went to the bathroom. I got an email about doing it in Nashville, which was last week or yeah, I'm like, so lost in time (laughs) to go to the CMA Fest. Like, here's the funniest thing about this. So the Grammys was like pretty official. It was very, you filled out application, you add it to a cart. It was a little more complicated. I'm not even kidding you when I tell you this. When I went to this, it was, I went to the CMT awards and also sat with very famous people. They handed these things out on the side of the street in Nashville, Tennessee, not no application, (laughs) whatever. Do you want to go to an award show and sit next to famous people? Yes or no. There was no rejection involved. It was just show up to a tent and get a wristband. That's amazing. But I don't know if I would have known that had I not done the Grammys and go, well, what's the inside scoop on this? But people, I mean, people go, how do you do all these things? And I go, I literally, I mean, some messaged me, one of my friends said, how'd you do that? I said, it was on the street corner. I can tell you exactly what street corner it's on, but it's next to the building and you just go in with a wristband and you wear a dress and you sit next to famous people like Carrie Underwood, you know, like, but but, it, but people go, oh, that's so hard and so difficult. I go, no, it's not. Like that's, I think was unpopular. Is. People want me to say, well, you know what, you've actually got to have 10,000 followers and guess what? You've also got to have a massive email list and you've got to be speaking for 12 years and you've got to be the most best expert in whatever category for anyone to even look at you. And sometimes it's like, no, you just put your name in a hat and they choose you or they don't. But I mean, I had a, I actually did the math on the Grammys. I had a 1% chance of getting there because they 30,000 people apply and they only pick 300. I don't, they say it's an algorithm. I don't actually know I got picked one, 1% is better than zero. That's what I always tell people. I said, even if I'd gotten told no, what I could have told people is guess what? I applied to go to the Grammys and got told no, you didn't apply. That's the difference. And so it's like, you know, people say, Oh man, I wish I was you. I sat next to Anna Kendrick and people said, I got it. I would have died to have done that. I'm like, anyone could apply. It's not, I was not special. There was no qualification. There was no, there was a yes or no. Do you want it? And so I think that's what you have to really view it as. It's not a, there's no barrier to entry. I mean, there's going to be times where, yes, you're going to have to have certain things to get certain places. But for the most part, you know, I always say the most successful people are not the most qualified. They are the people that decided that they were going to fight tooth and nail. Yeah, I mean, you look at people like Rachel Hollis. She always talks about not having a college degree, not finishing college, not feeling that she was qualified. And Homegirls made a brand name for herself because she decided that no one was going to tell her no. I mean, she, you know, like it's, it's stuff like that. You look at all those people who are successful. It's not because they didn't go through rejection, it's just they're the kind of people that go, Oh, well, I'm going uh, to on to the next adventure. Um, yeah,
0: they don't over, they don't overthink it. They don't make it over,
1: over complicated. I love that. Yes. And so I think that people really want me to make it so complicated. And so when I say, uh, you, I mean, you know, my, my point, send the email, people go, that's it. And I go, yeah. <laughs> I, mean, people, I mean, literally people were messaging me last week when I was talking about CMTs. How'd you get it? I go, it's shut up on a corner of the street. And I said, could
0: I go? <laughs> <laughs> do you think that people are seeking out this overcomplication
1: as a way to excuse themselves from trying? For sure. Absolutely. Well, I think it's easier. I mean, there's, it's safer to go. It's safer to go. Well, I'm not going to try. I mean, right. it, it, it's much safer to go. I mean, I think sometimes people are more afraid of success than failure. You know, you, it's so easy to go, Oh, I didn't get it. Oh, well, they didn't choose me because here's the thing. When they choose you, you've got to show up and do it then. And you've got to rise to the occasion. And you've got to, you know, if you say, Hey, I really want to photograph this conference. Like you've actually got to be qual- You know, you've got to feel confident enough to go. I can be a photographer for this conference. So I think it's, I think if people, people feel safe by, oh, a lady's going to tell me no. So I wouldn't even ask lately, you know what I'm saying? Like it's a, it's a, why it's self-protection in some capacity versus, you know, um, but I just think about that, you know, it's like this whole year for me has been a really wonderful year, but a lot of it came out of just putting myself out there and having all these opportunities you know, I was joking with my sister. I said, I cannot be the girl that twice this year. I'm like sitting next to uber famous people. Like it's just the most casual Tuesday of my whole life, you know, like, <laughs> Oh cool. I'm just, my sister was in people's Instagram stories, like famous people's she was in the background of all their stories where her seat was. And I'm like, and we acted like it was the most casual Wednesday night of our whole life. So it was like, no, we're <laughs> just chilling with Carrie Underwood and Keith Urban. Cool. But it's like also that mindset of, you know, like that, I think it's just anyone could do that. People look at it and go, oh, well, you're special. No, I didn't know anybody. I don't have any connections. And it's a matter of asking. Okay, honestly, my sister got picked to be a part of a rehearsal and I didn't. And we literally, my sister and I pulled over to Rustop and we sent an email and said, if someone drops out, can I go? And guess what? The email back and said, someone dropped out, you can go. It was simple as that. Simple as that. And people really want it to be, oh, well, no, we didn't even send a long email. Can I come if someone doesn't come? And they go, yeah, Tell, show us this email and you're there. So stuff like that where it's just, you know, we could have gone, oh, bummer, you're get to go and I don't get to go. No, it was just like, why don't we just ask so that we both can have this experience? And so my, my takeaway problem, my advice is just take, take note of what you're asking for and then take note of, of the yeses and really focus more on the yeses. Even if you ask for 12 things and you get one yes, go, oh, I got to be on a podcast. I got to be on a, you know, I got to write an article for a, you know online magazine or I got to get on a phone call with someone to potentially work with them you know, kind of view the yeses as higher than the noes. What are the one opportunity you get? And then kind of celebrate that because I think they build. The The more yeses you get, the more yeses you're going to want to get. Definitely.
0: Thank you so much for sharing all of these amazing things that people can think through because I think, like I said before, we think of this as kind of a common sense topic, but then we can't bring ourselves to overcome it. So, I really appreciate you sharing some insight on that with us today. Where can people find you?
1: Uh, my website is just carriegrace.com. And then my social media is Carrie Grace shop, which will be changing at some point this year, but <laughs> for now. <laughs> <laughs> and we will update
0: it, we'll update everything in the show notes. So, if, if people listen to this after it airs, don't worry, we'll make sure that you can find Carrie Grace because she is a fun person to follow along with, I will say. <laughs> living my crazy life. I love it. I love it. Thank you so much for being on the show. I really, really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. For show notes and resources mentioned on today's episode, head to so here's the thing podcast.com. And if you're enjoying the podcast, I'd love to read your review on iTunes. Thanks so much for listening and I'll catch you in the next episode.